Hey mama, do you want to balance maintaining your home, cooking, cleaning, all the things you have to do as a stay-at-home mum whilst being present with your family? Do you find yourself up late at night scattered thinking about all the things you didn't get done and so need to do tomorrow? Is your greatest desire for your littles to know and love Jesus? Hey, I'm Elise. When I became a mum, I felt overwhelmed and wished that I could just stay on top of everything. I wanted to be there for my family and yet all these things still had to get done. I was worried that I would spend this time too busy and miss it until I found the secret, partnering with God even in our home life. In this podcast, you will find tactical tips for homemaking, help for your low-tox journey as well as biblical parenting so that you will find God's joy and experience His peace in motherhood. Welcome to Wholesome Mama. It's time to go grab your cup of tea, reheat it because you know, and let's get into today's episode. Hey mamas, welcome back to the Wholesome Mama Show. I'm really excited today. We have a very special guest, Kaylee, with us, and she's going to talk to us about being connected as parents with our children. And I was just saying to Kaylee before we got on the call that I feel like I need this call as much as anyone else because the morning, I don't know if the devil knew, but this morning, the morning that we had was next level. So Kaylee, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing with us. Can you, first of all, introduce yourself because you started off as a um, pediatric occupational therapist and now you're more moving so into connection-focused parent coach. So do you want to share a little bit about your journey into that and yeah, introduce yourself to us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, So I do have a background in pediatric occupational therapy, which I love and still still do. But when um, about three years ago now, I was pregnant with my second child and I had always wanted to be able to be home with my kids. I just also needed to bring in that financial piece and I couldn't quite figure out how to do that. And then when I was pregnant with my second, I was really thinking, how can I do this? And so I came to the conclusion of opening a daycare because I thought I can still kind of use some of my OT skills. I can be home with my kids. And in the process of starting that, my oldest, who was three at the time, started to become really aggressive. Um, And he had never really been that type of child before. And so I was trying to do all these strategies that I taught as an OT, all the regulation, the calming strategies creating a calming space. And I would like try something and it wouldn't work. So I'd shift it and it still wasn't working. And I came to this just place of overwhelm and weariness where I was like, I cannot continue just like waiting for the day to end, (laughs) waiting for my husband to get home and escaping. Like I need to figure out something to do here because not only do I not want to feel this way, but I know my child is struggling and I need to figure out what to do about it. And from there, I had been listening to another podcast and she was also like a connection focused parent coach. And I ended up, or we ended up doing coaching with her and we just saw such a huge transformation, not only in his behaviors, but like in my ability to understand behaviors in a completely different way, you know, even working with kids, like there's so many things that you don't realize or that you're not taught that's not common knowledge about behavior and 
So after I experienced how much of a change that was, I wanted to help other people with this because I just felt like it was such a missing link and is really hard to find. You know, like it's not something very common that's shared about unless you've really been digging and found it. And so then I completed an extra, like a professional's training in this particular parenting strategy, which is called hand-in-hand parenting. And then from there, I just, it has now been kind of my mission alongside combining some of my OT knowledge and skills with really helping parents understand their kids better and behavior and how to manage it um, in a way that's more connection focused, that feels good, gets you the results and gets them consistently. Because I think a lot of the issue that I came across was you can try a strategy and it might work, but it works for a little bit. And mm-hmm. then you're like, now I need to either like up the ante or I got to figure out something else to do. And so these strategies really lay a strong foundation. Plus they help you as the parent to understand what you come to your child's behavior with. Because when I first started this, I thought, oh, I'm going to figure out how to fix my child's behavior. Right. Hmm. But what I really learned was that it's a lot more about how you come as the parent with all of this previous patterning and conditioning based on your experience and how that impacts how you see the behavior and how you respond. And so much of our responses, like 90% are subconscious. And so really just trying to help people bring that into consciousness so we can actually respond in a way that's not kind of creating this cycle of just automatic reaction and then feeling guilty about it, right? Like, I don't want to react that way, but I don't know what else to do. I'm going to do it differently next time. And then the same situation occurs and you respond the same way. And so really just trying to help parents kind of come out of that cycle and then also helping kids be more understood because society culture will tell us a lot of things about kids and their behavior and kind of make fun of it or, you know, the whole three-nager and terrible twos. And there's just so much more underneath all of that, that I think can be helpful for both parent and child. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I like how you said it's a, um, a perspective shift from like looking at, oh, just fix my child, fix the behavior. And yes, like we don't, we don't want the behavior that has happened. Like we don't want that, the aggression or, um, like some of the way that my child might speak I don't particularly want that happening um but looking at it differently and not just going I need to fix that I need to we need to stop and change that and actually going what is going on deeper for them and because how you said like three major and terrible twos like I can't stand that because it's like it's a lot for them to be two like it is a lot to be a two-year-old it's And it's hard, particularly even now, the difference between when I was two or three, not that I remember, but like we didn't really have screens. We didn't have all the extra stimulation that our kids are facing. Um, But then that makes me think that how much of a 
two part this is like it's a um like a partnership between the husband and wife the mother and the father but also like our emotions how much like we're not being able to regulate our own emotions and being a mum is so it's a lot and it is hard like we're not going to sugarcoat it um because you do get tired you do get overstimulated you do get exhausted and that can lead to frustration and all these things if we don't know how to regulate our own emotions so and then an unregulated emotional mum trying to then regulate an emotional child's not really gonna so it's so important that this goes hand in hand and I love that yeah I think um what I'm finding a lot with just moms that I've had a conversation with is I kind of went into it because I came to find this through wanting to fix my child's behaviors. So I kind of always thought, okay, people want help with behaviors. What I've really been finding lately is most people understand that they don't like the response they have being triggered and kind of what happens after that. And that's what they're really seeking help for. And I think um, just recognizing that a lot of that is like deep rooted, you know, there's lots of stuff that I uncovered on this journey that I didn't realize, I didn't even realize was still impacting me. Mm. That was affecting how I was parenting. And I also think that a lot of times when we are responding, depending on how that looks for you, like it might look different ways. Maybe you raise your voice. Maybe you like not hurt your child, but move them a little bit more forcefully. A lot of times our responses are actually reinforcing the behavior we don't want because unfortunately for us, our kids are learning from modeling. So they're learning that beginning co-regulation before they can actually learn to calm themselves down. They learn from us. And so if we're responding a little bit more forcefully, that might be why you're seeing your child when they're upset, responding with more physical behaviors. And so it is really challenging. But one of the things that I love about this style of parenting is that it's not about being perfect, right? Like we're just never going to be, Mm -hmm. that's just not reality, but it really helps you to repair connection. So like when you have a tough day, when you lost your temper, that's real life. Like we can't ignore that. We can't pretend that we're never gonna, like, even for me, I have been working on these day in and day out for years now. And I still lose my cool, you know, like that's human nature, but it's really about these foundational skills that help you not only to repair connection with your child, but to recognize when you are more overstimulated or more dysregulated and you're going to be more triggered and actually what to do about it versus just kind of put a bandaid on it. Mm. So I was going to get into what mums can do a bit later, but I think let's go there now. Can you share, do you have any tips for mums to help them in their own frustration or um, their own impatience? I know for me, impatience is a, is a big one. <laughs> so what are yeah, some so- mums can do? I think the first thing, and I have like a, it's just like a four question worksheet if you want me to send about this, but we really have to identify 
what behaviors are triggering for us the most. And you might know that already, but so often, like I mentioned before, we're responding subconsciously. So we might not even be aware that this behavior really bothers me. Like, for example, you know, the aggression was one for me. And as I worked through it, I realized it wasn't just because I didn't want my kid to hurt other kids. Like we all don't want that. Right. But it was because I was the subject of aggressive behavior when I was a kid. Like my sibling was really aggressive to me. And so that was bringing up all these feelings that I didn't even know that I still had. And there's lots of layers. Like once I overcame that, another thing that I recognized was really triggering for me was when we were going to be late, like even a couple minutes, I'm just like, I just like lose my mind. And it was silly things like, you know, we're, I used to take care of my grandparents at my parents' house. (laughs) So it's not like this typical job where you like have to clock in and you're going to get fired. Like my mom would not care, but in my mind, like it just brought up this, yeah, like into this fight or flight situation where I'm like, we're going to be late, you know? And so I think really just keying into what is actually triggering you is most important because if we can't be aware, how can we do anything about it? So that would be the first thing. And I can send you a link to that worksheet if anybody just wants to take some, it's just some basic questions to help you kind of reflect on what that might be for you. Um, the other thing that I did a lot when I was kind of learning all of these strategies is picking a phrase and reminding myself of it when my child was kind of having a really tough time. So just to paint this picture, I was, you know, I had six kids in my daycare, all were three and under. So there's a lot of, a lot of like needs that needed to be met. And then I had my oldest who was just melting down. And there was this point we were on our stairs and I could sense myself saying these things. And in my mind, I was like, you shouldn't be saying that (laughs) it's making it worse. And then I had this thought, think about how overwhelmed I'm feeling right now. And I'm an adult and I still can't control myself even though I know what I want to be doing and saying, I still can't do it. And he is three, you know, like we have such high expectations sometimes for our kids. And so what I started doing was reminding myself, he's overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed. And it helped pull me back to recognize like he is feeling exactly like I am. And he's so much littler And I'm still having this trouble. And so I feel like just having the perspective that if we are feeling like we're really struggling, our kids are too, you know, and they, they don't have a lot of times the language to say, and they might not even be able to understand, even if they have the language. And then the other thing that I really like to remind myself is, will it matter for eternity? (laughs) because so often we can kind of get stuck in these battles that don't really matter. You know, like maybe your child wants to change shoes when you're running out the door and you are like, nope, it's time to go. Does it really matter for eternity if your child changes their shoes? Mm. No, it doesn't. But if you're going to be late and get fired, that matters. 
but just really this really putting things into perspective because a lot of times we think oh they're going to change their shoes this is like this huge ordeal when really it's like maybe 30 seconds and we're out the door we're still like we got this piece going on whereas when we battle for something that doesn't really matter it's creating all this chaos all this stress and then you drop your kids off and you're like oh that was terrible you know mm. and so just really really thinking about perspective i think is one of the biggest things that you can do both what's your child's perspective and in this eternal perspective like is this something that i really want to go to battle for because if you do then prepare yourself to be calm for that battle and if it doesn't really matter you know just take a breath and go grab the bags or something and let them change shoes yeah yeah i find too the stuff like the little things that don't actually matter um like they want to change their shoes or they you know forgot their jumper and so want to run back in and get their jumper like that probably matters really but but you spend more time battling and then like trying to get them especially when they're little like you're trying to get them in their car seat and they're like arching their back screaming at you and then you're all heightened and flustered and well it's like yeah if you just quickly running like I'll we'll do a countdown we'll race and see how fast you can do it and then they mm-hmm. can do that and then like I don't know, my kids, they love like race and how, how fast can you win? Um, like, so for them, that is something that I've had to learn the hard way is that does it like pick your battle? Well, and I think like a lot of it is it's just, we, we need control, right? Like I shared a post on Instagram a while back and it was like, is this issue that you're fighting for? really an issue or is it because you need control as a parent and I think if you're being triggered you're searching for control because Mm -hmm. you need to feel regulated and so often it's like we're saying no to these things or making more of a deal out of them because we need that control versus just letting it happen so I think that's kind of a lot of a lot of where some of that comes from that we're not even really aware that we're doing but um yeah can you can you just say that one more time just the the quote that you shared because I think that needs to drop for a lot of mums yeah it was just something like is this issue really an issue or is it something that you are just trying to get control over like are you just choosing this because you need the control or does it really matter yeah I think that's so important too. And it's hard, like it's hard to let go of the control. And because we have in our minds, especially if you are like, if it's a full day, it's a busy day and you've got things that you have to get done and places that you need to be at certain times, like you want in your mind, you're like, okay, this is how the day is going to work. And in your mind, of course, it's a perfect day, but you forget that you have imperfect people. You are imperfect and your little imperfect people are toddlers who require food and snacks and nappy changes and all these things. And so we need to let go of the, um, like, yes, still be in control of the situation, but let go of the perfectionism that comes with being in control and being 
in control of every single little aspect and not actually letting the kids be kids. Yeah. And something I think that is really important for moms and parents to consider and not to like put more pressure, but something that I really have been convicted on before is are the things that are occurring really your child's fault? Because a lot of times, like when we're trying to get out the door and they're not going fast enough, you know, it's like, well, my child didn't do this. And so now we're late. But so often, like, at least for me, it was, I didn't get up early enough because I wanted to sleep in longer, or I didn't have things prepared that I could have easily had the night before. So really thinking about if there's a situation that is continually a problem, which might be bedtime, might be in the morning time, are there things that you can proactively do to make that easier and really think about your role in it? versus just blaming it on our kids because sure they have a part like you know we all play a part but a lot of times I found that when it's chaotic it's because I haven't prepared and then things aren't going smoothly and then I'm getting stressed and then I'm triggered and then I'm reacting and they're responding and we're just tightening each other up yeah yeah so true so true Let's go to children's behavior now. Um, I think we've covered mums amazingly. Um, so when we are when we are encountering challenging behavior, how do we work towards starting to teach? Like, so there's a mum, she's listening to this, she's like, that's me, my child. We've had a challenging day. Um, where does she start with teaching her children to regulate their big emotions? What's like the starting block? Well, the first thing that I like to share that I feel very differently and strongly about than probably a lot of pediatric OTs, because I have that background, but I also have training in these connection strategies, is that we automatically want to go to, let's use a calming strategy, right? Let's create a calming space, which is what I did, and it did not work. Mm -hmm. And I find that a lot of people say, you know, even on Facebook groups where I'm in and I'll see somebody comment a challenging situation and somebody immediately will say, well, have you tried this calming strategy? And the truth is, if our kids are not connected, a calming strategy isn't going to take it away. Mm -hmm. And when we just come right away with a calming strategy, even if your child's like, okay, I'll do that. You're not allowing your child the space to have those emotions. So even if they calm down, those emotions are still stuck in there. And so what I really encourage parents to do is to think about, are you truly okay with your kids having emotions? Because so many people will say, I'm totally fine with crying. It's okay if my kid cries. But what we really do, I actually have a podcast episode on three ways that we actually unintentionally stop crying. And I think a lot of times it's because we want to help our kids, right? We don't want them to feel upset but really recognizing that our kids have to have the feelings mm. we need to work through them and that's healthy and really thinking about if you are feeling really stressed and you just get pushed over the edge and you have a good crying session, you feel so much better, even though nothing got solved. And I think going into challenging behavior, remembering that our kids have 
the same sort of big feelings. Sure, it might be about things that seem silly to us, like a kid took their toy or something like that. But all of those hurts get stored inside as well. And so when our kids are having behavior, they are signaling to us, there's something going on deeper here and I need to offload it. And I think especially as moms, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but when my oldest was in daycare still and I would come home from work, he was just like a bear to me, like lots of behavior, lots of attitude to me specifically. And I always thought like, what am I doing wrong? Why is he acting like this to me? And I just want to let moms know that or any parent really, but I think it happens a lot to moms that although it doesn't feel good, that's a signal to you that your child feels safe with you Mm -hmm. and safe to share their deepest emotions. Like think about you. Do you, do you ever act that way to people that you're not really that close with? No, because they'd probably be like, excuse me, who are you? We treat people that we love a little bit differently because we feel comfortable sharing that with them. And that's what our kids do as well. So I think the first thing is just coming to behavior, recognizing that behavior is communication. Behavior is not a way to manipulate you or anything like that. It's really just communicating that something's up here. And then we need to dive into what that could be and try to figure it out. If your child is crying, really trying to let them cry because so often we want to distract them away. Like, oh, well, you can have this instead or, you know, in five minutes or trying to change their, their attention and focus so that they stop crying. But again, that's stopping those feelings from happening and then they're getting bottled up. And so really, if you can just be, which I know can be hard, but just sit through it and remind yourself that it is good for your child to cry when you are there supporting them. So it's not like, you know, send your kid away and let them, but really when you can come close to them and just let them have feelings, I think that's one of the biggest, the biggest things that can help your child. Yeah. I love that. And I know exactly what you mean. My, our son started kindergarten this year and we experienced all the emotions once he got home once he got home it was like the lid popped and out the day came Mm -hmm. (laughs) and if you think about all the things that might have happened there and kids recognize you know like I need to listen and I need to pay attention and that puts so much work on their brain to just contain stuff Mm. that when they get home and they feel safe and comfortable they're like can't contain it anymore (laughs) you know and it just comes out yeah yeah and so it's been that was really the first six months of this year um because in Australia we do like our school year goes with the calendar year so the first six months of this year was really um working with him to how can we best release this without hurting anyone physically hurting anyone um so yeah and it's as you said the connection that's such a And I don't know that I really ever until recently put it together how much that actually impacts and has a flow and effect to their behavior. Like, And it's the same when, like for my husband and I, when we feel like we're passing ships in the night, we're not really spending any time to each other. 
Like we haven't had a conversation. We haven't had a date now. We haven't had any time. It's just been like kind of go through the rooms of life. We can get on edge with each other. Like we kind of go, because we're not feeling connected. So like, of course that would be the same with our kids. Like it's relationships. Um, So I think having that as really the first point and going like there's no amount of um, like punishment or consequences or um, threats or bribes or anything like that that's going to help in the long term if the connection isn't there. So I think that that, I love that you said that. I think that's so important. And when you think about, you know, using threats and even like things like sticker charts, you know, that is actually creating more disconnection, which is essentially like, it might feel like in this moment right now, this is working because, you know, it's like right now, but yeah, long-term it's, it's actually teaching your child manipulation. Like, I don't know, that sounds kind of harsh, but it's true. Your kid's going to learn then, well, I'm not going to do that unless, you know, you give me a star and then I get this, or, you know, it's, it's going to continue this, like maybe cleaning up, for example, and your child's not cleaning up. And so you threaten, well, I'm going to throw all your toys away. And it's just, it's creating this clash. And when our kids are feeling disconnected from us, their actual, like, thinking part of their brain, that prefrontal cortex shuts down. So that's why like when your child is overwhelmed and having behaviors and you're trying to have conversation with them or trying to reason with them, it's not working because that part of the brain cannot be accessed. (laughs) They're like disconnected. And so really thinking about that when you're in the moment, like even if you need, it's, it's not saying you know, don't address the behavior, don't address the the heart issue or whatever the case may be. It's saying right now, my child cannot take in this information. We need to process through the feelings. And then at a later time, when there is calm, then we go back and we address the issue, whatever that was, because they can actually think. And so when we come close, we listen to feelings, when we don't Like a lot of times we can even be shaming with kindness, you know, like we can sound really like calm, but still be shaming their behavior. And it's just continuing this process of disconnection where they then can't take in the information. And so, yeah, we can get connected. It makes that part of the brain turn online, which helps with reasoning and judgment. And I've even noticed a lot of improved impulse control when your child feels connected, you know, for example, like fighting with siblings, I've seen so much difference in how my oldest will respond to my youngest when he is connected to me. Mm. Yeah. It's like, it's so much the foundation. So when we, we've kind of, okay, we're working on the connection strategies. That's, that's the first point. That's really what is important to, I guess, improve the behavior for lack of a better term improve the behavior long term we are going to pause here and this is part one we're going to do a two-part series because there's so much that I still want us to get through so you'll have to come back next week and listen to part two of the episode
Well, that wraps up another episode and I pray that you were blessed by today's conversation and really got something out of it for you to take into your motherhood this week. If you did get something out of today's episode, please subscribe, leave a review so I know that you're loving the show. You can also come and chat on Instagram. The handle is at Wholesome Mama. And don't forget, we have a Facebook community too with mums just like you who are in the trenches of mothering littles. So come and join us over there as well. The link for everything is always in the show notes. Have a beautiful week, mum. Be blessed and I will be with you next week.